Coming up today, fostering a love for the Bible in the next generation. We focus on teaching them how to study the Bible for themselves, to become good Bible students, and to have a passion for memorizing and proclaiming God's Word. Plus, a unique way to connect with like-minded believers. It's Southern hospitality, wonderful food, and a ton of AFA supporters and staff. Then, a documentary that honors our veterans. There could be no better thing to do than sit down with your family, with your children, and show them real-life American heroes. Also, Todd Herman talks about the new tactics used by the far left. There is now an attack on the physiological needs. That is a major tactical shift from, quote, just attacking the mind. It's the weekend of November 11th and 12th. I'm Jeff Shambly, and this is The Stand Radio. Revelation 5, 8 through 12. Revelation 5, 8 through 12. Now when he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the Lamb, each having a harp and golden bowls of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. That's 11-year-old Asen White, with the help of his mother Whitney, getting ready for the National Bible Bee Competition. He's one of thousands of young people participating. When you consider that only 3% of teens ages 15 through 17 read their Bibles daily, it's a real encouragement to see kids like Asen putting in the time and effort to memorize God's Word. Brian Mullins is the executive director of the National Bible Bee, and he's with us to talk about it. Brian, welcome to the program. Thank you, Jeff, for having me. I appreciate it. Brian, most of us are old enough to remember the spelling bees, but how did the idea come about to have a Bible bee? Well, the inspiration behind the National Bible Bee really kind of all came from a young lady named Shelby Kennedy. And uh, at a young age, she was very involved in missions work, and she was very passionate about God's Word. And unfortunately, she uh, ended up fighting a, a very intense battle with cancer and ultimately succumbing to that at a very young age. She was just 23. But through her short life, she was able to impact those around her in a remarkable way through God's Word and her passion for proclaiming Jesus Christ. And mm. so the founders of our foundation really just had that a desire to see that reproduced in the lives of young people, not just you know in their local area, but around the world. And so that was really the onus behind um, the National Bible Bee and, mm. and when it started. Yeah, that's inspiring. Uh, can you describe the overall premise to the program and who can participate in the National Bible Bee? Sure. So we're focused uh, solely on young people ages 5 to 18, and that's that's our mission. We want to uh, help young people to develop a love and a passion for God's Word through studying and memorizing it. And so young people of all ages, like I said, 5 all the way up to age 18 are welcome to participate in our program. And really, we focus on teaching them how to study the Bible for themselves, to become good Bible students, and to have a passion for memorizing and proclaiming God's Word. Hmm. What kind of responses have you gotten from kids and parents after having gone through the material? Well, the response has been overwhelmingly positive. You know, we, we try to do our best to create a study that is great for the entire family. So whether your child is five years old or 18 years old and getting ready to transition to college or career, uh, they're all studying the same material. Um, just at their age-appropriate level. And so we've received a lot of responses from families that say they love being able to study together um, and and just be able to participate, you know, and not leave the younger ones out or the older ones feel like it's too young for them, but really be able to focus together on a specific passage of Scripture and be able to dive in and dig in deep to God's Word in that way. 
Uh, of course, they memorize the passages, but is, is there any other way that they learn to engage in the scriptures in terms of the topic or ways to use this in their lives? Yes, so we've really focused each year on having a theme uh, for our study that takes place during the summer. And that theme focuses on one particular passage of Scripture. So in 2023, our theme was Believe, and we looked at the first part of the book of John. And so as young people are, yes, learning to memorize Scripture, they're memorizing it in the context of what they're studying. And so they're learning things like how to identify key words, how to study them, how mm-hmm. to identify cross-references, and what original languages are, were used in that particular passage of Scripture that they're studying. So we're really trying not to just focus on rote memorization, but also to help them to understand the context of what was occurring and what they're memorizing, and then to be able to use good study skills, inductive study is what we use to help them to understand and then apply it to their lives. Very good. Uh, Do you use a particular translation or do you have several translations that you work from? We do have uh, five translations that are available for the summer study, um, and that's really just for, we try to pick the, some of the five most popular. We use right. King James, New King James, NIV, NASB, and ESV are the five translations that are available for the memorization portion. But the curriculum itself that we develop is really translation neutral so that anyone anywhere can use it and understand it and then apply it to their lives. That's our goal, right, is to just engage young mm-hmm. people with Scripture and give them opportunities to um, find out how it pertains to their lives and how they can live it out. This next week is going to be a big event. You have your national competition, and my understanding is that it will be streamed in some sort of uh, fashion through your website. Uh, People can watch that this coming week, and I believe it's November the 13th through 16th. Uh, Can people watch that on your website uh, this coming week? Uh, Yes, sir. They'll be able to watch that, and uh, we'll be sending out um, notifications on how you can do that by so you can visit our website and check that out, or you can if you you know follow us on social media. We'll try to make it uh, available uh, as early as possible, and uh, we stream the entire thing. All of the general sessions are streamed and available to the general public. Um, we're really excited about it. You know, we've got 360 of the top contestants from all over the the country that are coming and joining us, and uh, it's really something to behold to watch these young people stand on a on a stage and proclaim God's word boldly. It's, it's it's truly inspiring. Mm, it is inspiring. And of course, the, the real eternal benefit is, is knowing the Word of God and hiding it in your heart. But you also have some prizes uh, and other incentives. What are some of those? Yeah, we do have some considerable prizes uh, that are awarded every year. Uh, For instance, the first place prize for the senior division, which encompasses age 15 to 18, Mm -hmm. that's a $50,000 prize. And so Mm. uh, that's awarded either in cash or in scholarships for those that have aspirations for higher education. And um, there's a a large pool of prize money, upwards of $135,000 that's awarded throughout all of the ages. Um, There's prizes for perfect recitation as well as, you know, Placing in the top five in each of those divisions. Very good. When can parents begin to enroll their children in next year's program, Brian? Well, our annual cycle is we start in the spring, and so beginning in the mid-March, somewhere around March 15th, uh, we begin enrolling for the summer study program, and that's step one for anyone that's interested in what we're doing, Um, and that's an eight-week study, and like I said, we have a a theme and we have a a curriculum that we produce every year that we send out to those that register, and that's step one. So parents that are interested can visit our website and uh, be sure to join our mailing list so that you're aware and you can get those email announcements for when registration is open, but that'll be 
around March 15th of next year. Brian, is this something that churches can get behind as well? Sure, we have lots of our host groups. You know, these are volunteer adults that um, just have a passion for you know reaching young people and ministering to them. And they'll, mm-hmm. we have them that maybe they'll do a small group or a Sunday school group, and they'll order the curriculum. And they'll you know maybe it's not you know focused on competition, but really just for um, discipleship in their churches, in their small groups, in their youth groups. Some schools even use it for Bible curriculum in their Bible study time. So uh, there's lots of ways we try to create our curriculum in such a way that it's adaptable um, because, again, the goal is not just the program of the National Bible Beat, right? The goal Mm -hmm. is that young people would be passionate about God's Word. Amen. A very, very good goal. Brian Mullins, Executive Director of the National Bible Bee. You can find out more at BibleBee.org. Brian, thanks so much for being with us today. Thank you, Jeff. Imagine a luxury resort, beautiful scenery, great food, and a ton of Christian fellowship. That's pretty much describing the AFA retreat. And here to tell us more about that is the Associate Director of the AFA Foundation, Chelsea Wildman. Hi, Chelsea. Hi, thanks so much for having me on, Jeff. Well, this sounds like a great event. Tell us about it. Yes. So this event is held at Purcell Farms in Sylacauga, Alabama, Mm -hmm. and it is a beautiful resort, beautiful retreat, rolling hills, tucked away in Alabama. So it's Mm -hmm. Southern hospitality, wonderful food, and a ton of AFA supporters and staff. So we're looking forward to it. So who's going to come to the event? Are you inviting supporters of AFA, potential supporters? or? Yes, absolutely. This event is open and we would love to um, invite our supporters and potential supporters um, mm-hmm. to visit us there. So we're going to have a great lineup of speakers. Like I mentioned earlier, wonderful food. The scenery is beautiful. Yeah. It's really a place to go and truly retreat and relax and refresh and just dig into God's Word, get some encouragement from our speakers and our wonderful worship team. Yeah. So what's your favorite part of the event? I would have to say my favorite part of the event would be just getting to meet all of our supporters Mm face-to-face and really making those connections and it's so neat to watch other connections build as well. We had a group of ladies. There were four ladies that shared a cabin. Um, there are different rooming options, sure. um, by the way. And so they shared a cabin, each their their own space, um, but just a common area. And it's so neat. They didn't know each other two years ago. But then last year, they actually came back and all decided to room together again. So they've built some really neat friendships. So yeah. it's awesome to see our supporters and get to know them as well as for our supporters to make connections with each other as well. Okay. When is this coming up and how can people register? Yes, they can register at afaretreat.net, and the dates are April 3rd through the 6th of 2024. So it's coming up soon, and we have limited spaces available. All right. Chelsea, thanks so much for stopping by. Sounds like a great time. Looking forward to hearing more about it. Yes. Thank you, Jeff. We watched the watched a company of infantry go go up and they were just being raked by fire. That's a sample of a feature-length documentary that's available this weekend that honors the memory of our World War II heroes. Joy Lucius had a chance to see the film and she's here with us to talk about it. Joy, good to see you. Welcome. 
Thank you so much for the opportunity to be here. Tell me about this film that you saw. Uh, It is called We Were There. It is a feature-length documentary that was actually released in 2011, Mm -hmm. but Redeem TV is now offering it to viewers, and I was just um, amazed at the content. Uh, It contains the interviews, live interviews, of 21 veterans from World War II, Mm -hmm. and I For some of them, it was the first time they had ever talked publicly and openly about their war experiences. Wow. What was that like? It was very emotional. And, of course, that generation, the the greater generation, um, they're very stoic. Mm -hmm. And if they ever do cross that line between stoicism to um, touching those raw emotions, you know it. Okay, right. And it's just, um, it's touching. Mm. Well, who was your favorite person or what was your favorite part of the documentary? Well, I have to tell you that I thoroughly enjoyed, I'm a history buff. I was an English major and English teacher, but history was my Mm. favorite subject. And um, I loved just seeing their faces and seeing each man. There was one woman who was an army nurse, so 20 men and one woman. And my favorite part was toward the end of the movie when the director who is um, Jared O'Flaherty, and many people will know him from the Christian series Vindication. Okay. Um, uh, he, his grandfather is one of the 20 men interviewed, hmm. but toward the end of the film, he asked them what it felt like to be a hero. <laughs> and um, I almost can't talk about it without crying because each one of them um, said, we weren't heroes. Mm-hmm. The heroes are the the other people who did not come home. And I loved how they were just so um, wow. so raw in their answers. And they said nobody wanted to be a hero, but there were heroes. And uh, one man said, I was just doing my duty. And so that was the part that touched me the most. And so as I began to research, I was amazed. I knew the statistics that 16 million Americans went to help in World War II. Wow. That was literally, imagine, that was 16 one, million? Yes, that was one out of eight citizens at the time. My one goodness. out of eight. And 450,000 died. And of the ones that didn't come home, Jeff, there are only barely 170,000 left, Mm -hmm. and they are dying by the day. Um, So their stories needed to be told, and that's how Jared O'Flaherty, his grandmother in the kitchen one day said, you need to document your granddaddy and all his stories. And so he got (laughs) the idea. He documented his granddaddy, and then people from all over just began to say, you need to talk to my uncle or you need to talk to my uh, great-grandfather. And so he began to talk to people, and he said his objective was to document everything possible that he could about his grandfather's experience. But in the process, he documented so many uh, stories that will never be told again. Right, exactly. And stories that um, are so timely. And one, there was one man who had a Purple Heart and a POW medal. One man had earned two Purple Hearts, mm-hmm. and they were just so calm in the way they discussed it. One man was a POW. He talked about his POW experiences. But what struck me the most is they're everyday citizens. Yeah, just av- average nev- people, everyday they're people. They're your neighbor. Yeah. They're the little man who sits on your 
pew at church and you never really ask him any questions. And so I just think that for this this season, for Veterans Day, that there could be no better thing to do than sit down with your family, with your children, and show them real-life American heroes, and then maybe start the discussion of what would happen today. Mm-hmm. Could we be heroes? What is a hero? And as these men said, really, a hero is just doing what you're called to do and doing it to the best of your ability. Well, Joy, thanks so much for your impressions on the film and for sharing it with us. We can't wait to see it. Thank you. Again, Joy Lucius' review of the film We Were There is in this month's The Stand magazine. the universe created the world he didn't snap his fingers or wink his eye he spoke that's a sample of one of the newest programs on afr a disciple's view with todd herman he's joining us to talk about his new show todd welcome to the program i appreciate that jeff Uh, you cover so many things on your program you cover politics uh, national security you cover vaccines just the, the gamut but the name of the program is a disciple's view why did you pick that name for the program uh, because we have to have a kingdom view. Uh, if we do not have a kingdom view, we can fall victim to fear campaigns and divisive tactics. And I don't want it to be my view. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the, the less of me that's in the show, the happier I am. And I want it to be my view as a disciple from a kingdom perspective. Okay. For instance, we can get very rushed. The enemy loves to rush us. Like, this is urgent now. And you're sure there are urgent things in our lives, truly. And if we look at the totality of what we're building, which is allowing God to work through us to build the kingdom of heaven, we can adopt this view of, yeah, but there are things that are a longer game. Yes, it's very, very urgent. Your kid mm-hmm. is hurting. Your kid is depressed and anxious. And yes, yes, we need to urgently work on approaching that. And we also need to work steadfastly to make sure that the big game, that the full game, the eternal game is the one that we play most diligently. Mm-hmm. So um, I want to take that view because we talk about topics that are upsetting. I don't right. want people to listen to the program and be transformed by the things of this world because we talk about upsetting things. I don't want people to be angry. I want people to have a righteous response, an emotional response, an honest response, and remember that the Lord said, hey, uh, be still and know I'm God. Yeah, that's, that's a refreshing point of view because like so many of us that are in the news cycles constantly, you know, keeping our eyes on the kingdom of God is difficult. How do you advise people practically to do that who are listening to you? Uh, well, since I have become discipled and my journey uh, is a long one, finally submitting to the Lord, there's some tools I use that I've learned that I'm somewhat visual. Mm-hmm. And one of the things I do is I picture the fruit of the Spirit in a tree. And I literally put names on, on the fruit that's in the tree, patience, um, self-restraint, and joy. And I consult that. Am I standing under the fruit of the Spirit? Mm-hmm. Uh, does this belong to this tree? Does this response I have? Uh, for, when I watched what Hamas terrorists did, I hated them. I hated them. And I realized that I don't see hate in the fruit of the Spirit. I can hate what they did. And then the hardest thing is having looked up at that saying, okay, yep, that's not in the tree. Uh, That's my sin issue. My fleshly desire would be to go join the fight. I'm not trained for that. I'd Mm -hmm. be in people's way, but sure, I want to go kill them. 
Okay, mm-hmm. I'm honest. Um, that is not uh, in, in the fruit of the spirit of the tree. So what do I do? Well, what am I told? What am I told in that circumstance? Well, I can give this to Christ, and I actually visually do this, put my hands out and hand this to him. I hate these people. Mm-hmm. Help me love them. That's the hardest thing. We talk about this from time to time on the show, that we are called to pray for our enemies. And Jesus didn't say, hey, by the way, if you feel like it and it strikes you as a good idea, give some thought to praying for your enemies. <laughs> right. Right? He yeah. told us to do it. Uh, so that's very helpful for me. Uh, those two visual cues are, are very, very helpful for me. And biggest, most of all, is listening. That my most fruitful prayer time is where I shut my mouth. And I ask God to help me see things his way, and then I shut up. And in fact, we did a program. It's Randy who does things behind the scenes, a uh, great guy, you know, runs the show, basically. Uh, his favorite show of mine is I came in and said, hey, I know you've got all this audio prepared. It's all scrapped. Like, we're not going to use anything because God just spoke to me. And Jeff, God implanted in me, in my devotions that morning, the most unbelievable love for the soul labeled Joe Biden. Mm-hmm. Not the flesh. I, I, I think that great evil's done through him. I think that he has become the most evil president in our history. And somewhere in there, there's a spiritual captive. And that's the last visual trick. Is when we did that show, I felt, I truly felt empathy for the soul called Joe Biden, not his flesh. And I was able to picture his soul as a spiritual captive. And that picture of the soul in captivity to Satan reminds me that once again, the Lord Jesus didn't say, if you feel like it, free the captives. Yeah. Well, yeah. And it's, it reminds me as you, as I'm hearing you talk about that, you know, I'm reminded that scripture uh, says that we are, we are in a spiritual war. We're not fighting flesh and blood. And, but even though it's tempting to dislike people and even hate people, uh, so I think that that's a, that's a great point. I wanted to ask you a little bit about intimidation because you've spent so much time in large radio markets around the nation. You were a regular guest host for Rush Limbaugh. Uh, all of those programs were conservative but not necessarily Christian. Did you ever feel intimidated to keep quiet about certain issues, and how did you deal with that? Oh, I, I quit local radio because I was told I couldn't say the election was stolen. I was told I couldn't say fake news. Uh, I was told I couldn't appear angry. Uh, I was told I couldn't say all lives matter. Hmm. And I don't have anything disparaging to say about my former employer. They, it was actually 95% of the time, it was a fantastic place to work. And then they started installing speech codes. And I told okay. them, hey, hey guys, uh, sooner or later, you're going to come across one I care about. It was the one about the election being stolen. I can't prove it was stolen. I know it was rigged. So I said, I quit. Um, okay. To answer your question specifically in regard to faith, no. In fact, they were very good about that. They liked it. They, they really liked it when I talked about faith. Uh, and I got great reviews from management of that. And, and mm-hmm. I, I used to wrap my show up with something called a personal note. And I had the president of our company say, you know, I often stop uh, on the way to work and sit in the car to, to, to see how that wraps up. That's really a precious segment. And I was really thankful that Daryl said that. Mm-hmm. Only one time in uh, doing Rush's program, <laughs> uh, it was towards the end when Rush, the Maha, God rest him, was, was getting sicker. Mm-hmm. I was doing a week at a time that a caller had called in and asked me about my faith. And we did a couple of segments on that. And then my dear friend, James Golden, who yes. the world knows as, as uh, Bo Snurdly, 
uh, James Gedamir. He goes, hey, Todd, let's take it back to politics. I love the talk. Don't get me wrong. It's great. But let's, let's, and I said, James, I was just going to say the same thing to you. Um, I understand the format of the show, but no, never. Um, mm -hmm. uh, I, was, I was blessed to never. Now, on the FM side, I did a partner show, which was a stupid idea, and I was warned against it, and there's mm -hmm. a lot of reasons I did it. Yeah, in that case, sure. There were a lot of people who said, um, you mentioned God too much. And uh, one of my responses was, does God think so? <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. As you look at the, uh, the landscape of the cultural wreckage uh, all around us, is there one particular issue that gets your attention above the others? Uh, well, it's a, it's a change of tactics. So you are going through a cultural revolution the same way that uh, China did. You're in one. If you ever wonder what it feels like, you are in one. Mm -hmm. And the enemy has now moved his forces down to the level of vandalizing the bodies of children, vandalizing their minds, destroying families. Uh, that's, that's profoundly important to understand. It's, it's designed. Um, it's happening in ways of turning kids into racists and drug-addicted sex bots. But there's a change in tactics now. And they're beginning to move rapidly into the physiological realm. Uh, it's very likely that the uh, modified RNA injections, and we can talk about the mechanisms for this, the mechanisms for harm and how this happens. Uh, it may well have um, be five generations that these things kill hmm. uh, with cancers and turbo cancers. And um, again, we can talk about these mechanisms. That's a physiological realm. Fewer people is fewer opportunities to be fruitful and multiply. It's abortion by another means. Um, then there is now the talk of constraining the food supply. Uh, one of our base physiological needs, there's the World Economic Forum that's saying, hey, we might need to ration water, though there's no right. rational. So th there is now an attack on the physiological needs. That is a major tactical shift from, quote, just attacking the mind. Right. So now uh, crossing over and attacking the body, that gets my attention um, I think the biggest one is all the ways, though, that young kids are being taught to uh, hate God's word, even if they've never heard it. Um, they're taught to hate their neighbor. They're taught that they are, they design themselves. So the moment they sit down and read, you know, God made man and woman, they're going to look at that and go, well, that he, uh, then he's a liar because I'm not a man. I'm not a woman. Yeah. Well, those are, those are significant things. I think things we've never even um, considered before that we're dealing with. And Todd, uh, thank you so much for what you're doing to be a, a clear voice for the gospel, a clear voice to practical discipleship in what you do. And, and we are so thankful to have you on American Family Radio. And we encourage people to listen to your program weekdays at 12 p.m. Central. Todd Herman, thanks so much for being with us today. Thank you. And uh, just to be clear, I'm the one that needs to be thankful because I've been welcomed so well. It's mm. truly, truly an honor. And thank you. Coming up next week, we'll talk about the much overlooked abortion pill reversal option that's available to young women. We'll also visit with pastor and staff writer Matthew White, who will help us focus on five key aspects of Thanksgiving. And a young couple will join us to share their story about the transformative part of adoption. Today's program is just a sample of what you'll get every month when you subscribe to The Stand magazine. We encourage you to get your free six-month subscription. To get that, just visit afa.net slash the stand. If you'd like to get a podcast of this program, you can check those out at afr.net slash podcasts. Until next time, I'm Jeff Shandley. Thanks for listening. <laughs>